presentation from the Utah Open Source Conference held August 28th through 30th, 2008 is underwritten by Xmission. Since 1993, Xmission has developed and supported effective connectivity, hosting, and co-location services for thousands of Utah residents and businesses. Xmission.com. Streaming and podcast hosting bandwidth for this and many other presentations at podcast.utos.org has been provided by Tier 4. The presentation, entitled Google App Engine 101, was presented by Jonathan Ellis. Google App Engine, App Engine and Django is 
there's no relational database on App Engine. So who's who's kind of familiar with App Engine? Uh, okay, okay. So maybe we should back up a second. Uh, App Engine is it's kind of like a shared hosting service for Python code uh, that doesn't have a relational database. What they have is they they have the data store API. And what that is, is it's, it's a wrapper around Google's big table, which you've probably heard of. Uh, so what it is, is it's basically an object database. And you can retrieve objects by keys, and you can, you can query objects by their attributes. It automatically indexes attributes for you. Uh, so that's nice, but there are some limitations there that, that we'll, uh, we'll talk about later. The other things about uh, Django are uh, it, it has a bunch of kind of helper libraries out of the box. And a lot of them don't work on Google App Engine, like the session middleware and the cache middleware. Uh, you know, these stuff, this stuff, the App Engine helper fixes. It, it, it fixes the session to work with the data store API. And Google recently released a memcache API, so it can use that too. Uh, but it, you know, there's not what, it can't do anything about the database API. It's never going to be a relational database. So. Uh, Google App Engine and Django are both well documented. The documentation for App Engine is here, the documentation for Django is here. So I'm just going to give kind of a, an overview of using them together because that's what's missing. There isn't any real, uh, any, there, there aren't any sample applications provided using Django on App Engine and there, uh, and there, isn't, there isn't any documentation either on how to use uh, App Engine Helper here to make your life easier. There is this thing called, uh, they have a page called Running Django on Google App Engine, which is basically how to write your own App Engine helper in five hours or less. You know, it, it's not where you want to go. So just use App Engine helper and your life will be good. So here's, here's how you get started. And you, you don't need to do this with the tarball because I've already done it for you. But if you want to start your own application, these are the steps you follow. First of all, you need to get the App Engine helper from this URL. Uh, and you need to get it from SVN because the released version, which is release 52, doesn't support Django 1.0. Uh, so you'll need to grab that from Subversion until they do a new release, which will probably after Django 1.0 final. Um, so then you, you grab a Django tarball and you unzip it. And then what you do is you take the Django directory out and you shove it in there. And then you remove some files that you don't need because Google has a, a 1,000 file limit. Django has more than that, so you actually need to rip out the stuff that you won't be using. Uh, that, that, will, that would allow it to work. So there's two settings files that we're going to care about with Google App Engine. Uh, one is the app.yaml. And this is really simple. Uh, it's App Engine specific. And what we do, this is the only thing that I've changed from what App Engine Helper comes with. App Engine Helper comes with one of these out of the box. It also comes with a settings.py out of the box. And it's very same default. I only, I only had to change this and one line in settings.py. So I just gave it the name of what my application is going to be. And then this I didn't have to change, but I put that in bold to emphasize it because uh, the static DIR tells App Engine this is where files live like uh, you know, your PNGs, your JavaScript, your CSS that don't need to be interpreted by App Engine. And then everything else we're going to send to the Django main.py. But you, again, you don't have to worry about App Engine Helper did it for you. Uh, so settings.py, the one line we had to add there is also we need to tell it, you know, besides the App Engine Django app and the authentication app, 
we want the to-do app, which is the one we're writing. So inside the to-do subdirectory, we have an empty file that says, hey, this is a Python module. Let us run Python code here. And then we have models.py, views.py, and templates, which is the data, the controllers. Remember, in Django, when they say views, they mean controllers, and then uh, templates. So let me just give a quick demo here of what the application looks like that we're going to be talking about. So uh, the, the, the index of the application, which just lists, it, it just lists your to-do list. You can have multiple to-do lists. And then we have a box to make a new one. So let's make a new one here. We've got a second one. And we can, we can click on the list. We have items in them that we can mark finished. Uh, let's, let's do that. Whoops. Let's do that here. We'll mark both of them finished. And they're, they're now marked finished. We can create a new one. And that's all the application does. So we've got basically three actions. We've got, we've got two pages and three actions on them. So the pages are the index in this one, and the actions are create a new list, create a new item, and mark items finished. So, so we'll be going over the code that does these now. So here's, there, there's, there's two objects that we're dealing with. We're dealing with list objects and item objects. So in the list, we just have a title, and we have a user property. Now, you're familiar with whatever programming language you're in has strings, so we won't cover that, but you probably haven't seen user properties before. So this is one of the cool things about App Engine, is it's seamlessly integrated with the Google account API. So all you have to do is say, you know, this is a user property, and we'll, we'll, we'll see a little bit of code that we use to, to hook this into our application, but then it's automatically Anyone with a Google account can log into your application, and you'll know who they are, and you can associate content with them. Uh, and then we have the, the list items, which we have a string property again. We have a date time property that says when it was finished. Uh, and then we have a reference property. So the reference property is kind of the, it's kind of the, uh, the stupid half-brother of foreign keys in a relational database. Uh, because what this gives you is, um, we, it, it says that I'm related to uh, a list, and then we also can give it collection name equals items. And what that does is it puts a property in to-do list that I didn't have to declare, so I can say list.items, and it will query for the items that are associated through this reference property. But that's the, the reason I say that this is kind of the stupid half-brother is there's two things it doesn't do. One is, it doesn't do referential integrity. If I have a list that has a bunch of items, I can blow the list away. And if I'm not careful in my code, then I can just leave these items orphaned with an invalid reference. It will not stop me from doing that. Uh, so if you're using MySQL, you're probably used to that. But otherwise, uh, you know, that, that's not something we like. Uh, the other thing is that uh, in, in a modern object relational mapper, if you have a list items, you can say items.append and put, an item, put a new item in it, and it'll take care of writing that to the database for you. Uh, not so here. The .items property that it generates will only let you query. It only lets you iterate through those items, and you can filter on them and give them a, and you can do an order by, but you can't, you can't modify it through that list. So in that respect, it's kind of, uh, kind of weak. 
So then let's, let's, so those are our models. This is the whole model. This is the whole file. There's nothing else in there. Um, now I'm going to talk about the views, which is, again, remember views means controllers. Uh, and I'm going to go through this a piece at a time, because it's a, it's a larger file. So first I have a couple forms declared. So this is part, uh, Google Apps Engine uh, implemented something called Django Forms. So it's not part of Django, but it's inspired by Django. And it looks a lot like the Django Forms API. So a model form means we're going to make a form based on these models that we just declared. So all we have to do is we have a class meta, and we say what model it belongs to. And then we can either include or exclude uh, uh, attributes off of that model. And I like to use exclude because then if I go back here and I add a new attribute, then it will automatically be in my form, and I don't have to do anything else. So I like to exclude ones I don't want rather than explicitly enumerating the ones I do want. But either way is supported. So we're going to exclude the user property there because we're going to get that from the authentication API. And here we're going to exclude the reference property, and we're going to exclude the finished part because that's going to be done by a separate, separate form. So uh, the, the controller. So this is the index controller. So this is what controls uh, this not this page, but this one. So it's going, we're going to have a list of, of our to-do lists, and then we're going to have a new list capability. So this part here where we say if request method equals post, that's creating a new list. So we're going to skip this for now and just look at what we have to do if, uh, if when, we're, when we're just rendering the page. So what we do is these two here, to-do list.gql and query to-do list, I've commented out one of them because there are two ways of doing the same thing. And I wanted to show you that there's kind of two data APIs that App Engine exposes. One is kind of that you build strings and execute them. So I like the other API better. It's kind of more object-oriented, more modern. But Google's like, oh, that might be scary to people. So we're going to let you write GQL instead of SQL. Uh, so it kind of looks like SQL. And that's what that is. And then the other one, we have a dark, dark .order uh, function that takes the, the attribute to order on. There's also a dot, dot .filter. And, and those are, that's pretty much all you can do with them. And then what we're going to do is after we have our list, or in this case, our iterable, meaning it's not a list yet, but it knows how to, create, it knows how to get a list, uh, we're going to return uh, the template. So this is our template name. And then we're going to do something called local. That's because render to response takes a template and a dictionary, meaning a hash table of values that the template cares about. So let's just look at that template really, really quickly. The template cares about a variable called to-dos, and it cares about a variable called form. So we could either explicitly put those in a dictionary, or we could just use this Python function called locals. And what that does is take the variables in my local namespace and put them in a dictionary where the keys are the variable names and the values are the variable values. So we've seen to-dos that the template cares about. Now let's look at where form comes from. Again, if it's post, we're going to create something. We're not going to look at that right now. We're going to look at what we do when we don't create a new one. We're just, we just say form equals to-do form. So back here where we said class to-do form, that's what it's talking about. That's all we need to do to create the form object. And then when we're in our template, we put the form in the template by using bracket bracket form. So this is kind of the equivalent of PHP 
know, bracket percent equal. It says, you know, print this into my page. Uh, and then you'll see that around it we have table, uh, table tags. That's because the Django forms use uh, tables to make the forms line up nicely by default. So if you're a CSS bigot, you might have a problem with that. But it does make, you know, the, the benefit for me is that I don't have to include any CSS to make things look halfway decent. Uh, but it does make things a little clunky in that, you know, I have to kind of know what the table is doing to put my TRTD tags in for my little input submit there. Um, okay, so that's the form. And then the listing the to-do list, we just have a for loop. And then we have, we're just going to put in an href to the page dealing with that list and put the to-do.title in it, and that's all there is to it. Uh, I do want to mention this. This looks like Python, if you're familiar with Python. It looks like Python, but it's not. Django templates are not Python code. These things where you have a bracket percent, this is called a template tag. This template tag is a for tag, and it happens to accept uh, code that looks like a Python for loop, but it's not really. So for instance, if you, have, if you wanted to do an if, there is something that's an if tag, and you can just say if boolean. You can't say if boolean equals equals condition. No, you can just say if boolean. If you want to do an equals equals, you need to use the if equal tag instead. So it starts to break down. It's not really Python. And so if you, as the sooner you know that, the less confused you're going to be. So let's look at what happens when the user creates a new list. So what, it, what happens is it comes in with request equals post, because that's what I said here in my form, method equals post. Uh, so we come in here, we, take, we instantiate the form, but this time we pass the post variables to the form, so it knows what data to use. Then we say form is, is valid, then we say form.save. And what we're going to do here is we're going to say commit equals false. What that says is I'm going to modify this object that save created for me afterwards, and I will take care of putting it in the database. So if I took the commit equals false out, it wouldn't be incorrect, but it would be inefficient because it would be saved once here and then once here, which is put is the app engine data store, you know, save this to the database call. And that works whether it's a new object or an existing object. Uh, and so notice that form.save, uh, we, we said form is a to-do form and it knows about to-do lists. So save will return a new object of whatever type we declared, and it will stick the data from request.post into the appropriate attribute. Uh, so then the other thing we, we had, the reason we said commit equals false here is because we want to set the user attribute. And so what we're going to do is we're going to call get current user, this is from the app engine API, and stick that into the user attribute. So the only thing you might, you might be saying, well, what if there isn't a logged in user? Haven't I just a null or a none attribute here. Well, up here we have login required. This is called a decorator in Python, and decorators are something that they're functions that can wrap other functions with, func with, uh, with code. And so this, one, this particular one wraps the index function in code that says, if the current user is, is none, then redirect and make him log in. That's what this does. So that's all the code I had to write to integrate this with Google accounts. So what that, what that does is, uh, let me see if I can, no, I don't have a, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to demonstrate logout because that would take too much time. 
So what you can do is when you run this for, your, for yourself, uh, back to my presentation, when you run this for yourself, you'll notice that the first thing it does when you go to the index is it will ask you to log in. And since you're on the development server, it doesn't do any actual authentication. Whatever email address you give it, it'll say, okay, you're good. But, but, in, but when you upload it to Google App Engine, it would actually authenticate versus Google account. And but I didn't mention this, but uh, this is what you run once you unzip that, that code. And for those of you who just came in, the code is up there. Just go to slash JLS. You'll get a directory listing. Everything that starts out with Google App Engine, that's what you want. And then you CD to the, to the directory you unzip and run manage.py run server. And then you go to port 8000 on localhost. So back to uh, this. We're done. We're done talking about the index page. So let's talk about what happens when we go in. Uh, when we go when we go into a list and mark some items finished. So I'm going to. I have I have I have my checkbox and I have my mark button. Mark things finished. Um, sorry, this is a new laptop and not 100% used to it yet. All right. Uh, okay, so the controller says we're not. We're, but when we when we get to this method, we know we're submitting a form. So I didn't bother with any if request equals post. Every time this is called, it's submitting a form. So what we what we're going to do is this time we're not using a model form. We're we're rolling our own the hard way, which you sometimes have to do. And so what we're going, what that looks like is we're going to say request.post.getList, and then this is the name of the checkbox. So what that does is, you know, because you can have multiple checkboxes submitted at a time, then we're going to get all of them, and then for each of those, we're going to turn it into an integer, and then these brackets here, turn that into a list, and pass that to get item by ID. So get item by ID, that's basically, you know, get fetch an object by its, by its key. And so it can either take one object, or, or sorry, one integer, or it can take a list of integers. And we're passing a list of integers. And, and it just knows what to do with either of those. So that, we put that into our items variable. And then for each of those, then we, uh, we set the finish date, and we save it. So again, this is an existing item, but we still use .put to put it back in the database. So there's a couple things here that you might be thinking, oh, this is different if you, ha if you know how relational databases work. In a relational database, I just say, update to-do items, set finish equals current timestamp, where ID in this list. It's one statement. I can't do that here. I have to read the items in, loop through them, set the finish, and save it explicitly. So you're kind of seeing the dark side of the data store API now is that you know, it, it is an object database. It's not a relational database, and you have you have to pull the objects in to manipulate them. Uh, the other thing to note here is that datetime.now uh, isn't always what you might think, uh, and what that means is because data store is a distributed database, or rather, big table is a distributed database. Uh, datetime.now will be different things on different machines. So, if you have two requests coming in, and one of them runs on one machine and one runs on another, you know, you, if you rely on the first request having its items finished before the second one, then you might be in for a surprise. So uh, there's, there's more information on, uh, on Google's site about you know, how to deal with this 
Uh, I won't go into the details there except to note, note that you want to be aware of it. Is it more than a few seconds off? They, they, and they do same things like these NTP, but you know, if you're talking about millisecond level, then you know, the right. nothing you can do about that. Right, but nothing like, I wouldn't expect it to be a minute off. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Uh, so, so let's look at how the how these uh, uh, functions that we've been looking at. These are Python functions, mark finished, and index. Let's look at how these functions get mapped to URLs. So that's in something called URL.py. It's in the root of the uh, application. It's not in the to do subdirectory, and it's just there's just a single line that says URL patterns equals patterns. It's a function call and says, look for these functions in this Python path, so to speak. So it's in the to-do subdirectory in views.py. But we leave the views off, or we leave the .py off, and we just use a dot instead of, uh, instead of a slash. And so then we map, uh, this regular expression just says beginning of string, end of string. If there's nothing there, we go to index. Then we say, if it starts with list, then have slash d plus, backslash d plus. That's just a sequence of integers. Then we go to the to-do list represented by this key. And what this part is, is it says, let's name this regular expression group. And we're going to name it ID. And the reason for that is, uh, this is optional. But the reason for this is we have parameters in the, in the, in the to-do function, which I didn't show you, and I won't be, uh, because it doesn't really show anything else interesting. But uh, there's an ID parameter there. And so it's saying this is the group that we want to turn into that parameter. And that, that's optional because if we leave it off, then we'll just pass the groups in as parameters in the order they were given. But I think it's, more, it's, it's a little more maintainable if we name them there. And then we're reminded when we're looking at that what's going on. So if you're, if you're saying that you know, regular expression seems like a terrible way to specify URLs, um, you know, I'm kind of with you there, but that's how it works. So, and you know, it's not too bad if you're, if you're good with regular expressions. And then we're going to map mark finish to mark finish as straightforward. So like I said, I skipped the to-do method and the template in order to give us more time to write some code. So uh, assuming, so who has the App Engine SDK installed? All right, everyone gets to go download that. So uh, just remember if you're download, they don't say this on their site, uh, but if you download it on Linux, everyone else gets an installer. Linux doesn't. You get a zip file. Um, unzip it and, and just move the Google underscore app engine directory that comes out. Move that to user local because that's, that's, where, that's where the, uh, the server code looks for it. So just put it in user local. And, uh, and then I've got the zip file of code over there. Uh, any questions while, while we're uh, getting started on that? Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll give you a second to think about questions. And while, I'm, while you're doing that, let me give, uh, let me pimp the Utah Python user group here, utahpython.org. We have an IRC channel that's very active. If you Decide, hey, this app engine stuff is cool, but I don't really know Python. You know, come over here and ask us. There's almost always someone there, uh, and you know, we're really helpful. We also have a mailing list. It's low traffic because we like the instant gratification of IRC. 
Also, I work for a company called Feature 50. We do cool stuff. We give you good hardware. We have 20% time. You work with famous people. Uh, send me a resume, and I won't go, I won't believe that anymore. <laughs> so, so, we do Java and JavaScript as well. So, I will leave this up, and I will go grab a drink while you guys are downloading the SDK and so forth. Thank you for listening to Hack the Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.